Welcome back to the Crown Refs Podcast for episode 123. This is the second edition of the Ref Recap, a new show we started where it's a post-game discussion of notable plays and situations from the weekend. In this episode, we talk about um, how to stay motivated during a long day of weekend games. We also list some effective pregame tips and the early difficulties of transitioning back and forth from two- to three-person mechanics. Uh, We also touch on the importance of always maintaining a healthy perspective, regardless if we're in a pandemic or not, right? Gratitude is everything, and we don't need the one day out of the year, Thanksgiving, to remind us of all the things we're grateful for. Just take that same approach that you have when you wake up that Thursday morning where you are just appreciative of everything you have. Take that with you every single day. Copy and paste that. Don't wait for that one day a year to remind you of that. Um, Hope you enjoy this episode. Please reach out if you have any questions or feedback. And as always, do me a favor. Have a great rest of your day. Well, I thought the the ref recap we did was pretty good. um, It's nice to kind of have you pick my brain on, on just random questions that might that you might have had over over the years or or recently so I just think it's it's quality for both for both sides you know yeah and I, I think there are a lot of good uh, just just golden nuggets of you know value points within um, especially with you know the the one-on-one of you grilling me on my mechanics I thought that was really good and I think a lot of people can get get value from that too a little signals practice mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah, and, and a lot of your questions, you know, are the same questions that a lot of people in the audience have too. So, you know, by me answering your question, I might've answered the same question for, for seven other referees or whatever. Um, right. So yeah, it's all about uh, putting out that information for all of us to benefit from. So I know you had a, you had a couple plays or situations that we had spoken of beforehand. What, um, What's what stands out this week? Well, right now, um, obviously, I didn't have any games last weekend, but I do have some coming up on Saturday and Sunday, um, and it's I believe it's going to be some seventh, eighth grade, and then um, JV and varsity games as well. And I do have six one day, and then I think four the next. And obviously, you know, for me. I can kind of take that amount of games. That's not a whole lot, but one question I have for you, since I'm sure you've done this a lot, refing AAU tournaments in the summer and now, you know, preseason with with high school stuff going on, how do you stay motivated or stay in the zone when, you know, you're on your sixth game in a row and you kind of get in a lull or you get zoned out? Um, Just... How do you stay in the zone and motivated to continue working on your craft, on your craft, excuse me, my voice cracks still, um, and just like how to stay motivated through it all? Just generally speaking, I'm a really motivated person, you know, with regards to, to many aspects of my life. So I don't, I don't need to dig deep for motivation. However, in this case, after, you know, working five games on a Sunday, it's eight o'clock at night, you're ready to go home. I can... I can understand that. We've all been there. It's just a matter of perspective, man. Like, we should be blessed that you're out on the court, you're making money, you're running around, getting paid to be on a basketball court, and you're trying to improve your craft. So it's constantly being in perspective mode. There's two ways to to think. You could think backwards or you can think forward. You can dwell on the fact that 
you know, you've been out of your house six hours, you're tired, the game is trash, but I don't complain. So anytime you find yourself complaining, and that's a form of complaining, you put yourself in the position to go work that day. You're the one who decided that you're going to take six games. So to complain, I mean, this is just all a mental game. So just go in perspective mode all the time. Just be grateful to be alive, to be on the basketball court. You see where I'm going? That's always my perspective. That's always where I take it. That's awesome. You know, but, but it can be difficult. It can be difficult. It could get boring. It could get annoying. Um, I get it. I get it. But at the end of the day, you signed up to take those games. You're earning money. It's a great side hustle. You're gaining experience. So these are the things I think about to keep me fueled through those games that lag. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. I know I have a lot of games this weekend. Um, and for me, once I hit that, that five, six games in a row, my, you know, my legs start feeling it, start getting hungry. You know, I start thinking, okay, what else could I be doing? But really um, that perspective switch, I think that'll be, that's a game changer for a lot of people. Let me ask you this. Do you take food? with you to these games when you go do six i do um i'm trying to stay a little bit away from you know just being sanitary with the pandemic going on um but yeah because i like if i'm working six games i'm taking three meals at least i'm taking like greek yogurt and almonds i'll take a peanut butter and jelly i'll take a protein bar i'll take a piece of fruit and i'm eating like every two games Cause I get really hungry when I, when I'm working all day, that's one way to keep me fueled is I actually have to, to put nutrition in my body. There's, there's guys that can go work 13 games and they don't eat anything. I don't understand that. A lot of them don't even drink water throughout the games. They'll, they'll just, you know, they'll have one or two bottles. I have a 32 ounce bottle I take with me. I'm filling that up two to three times. So it's just constantly, you know, fueling myself not allowing myself to, to be starving, but not bringing in those meals that are going to make me slow on the court or give me the itis. If you've ever heard of the itis. The itis? What's the itis? Oh, just be feeling really lazy. Oh. Usually okay. after a big meal. Definitely. So, yeah, after, after your, uh, your Thanksgiving dinner, don't go out and ref with the turkey in your system. Correct. That would be the prime example of getting the itis after Thanksgiving. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, that, that helps, you know, in terms of staying in the zone when you have five, six, seven, eight games in a row, especially on the weekends. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, and I know you've put out some content on this already, but do you have a specific ritual that you go through um, in terms of pregame in games that aren't, you know, official high school or collegiate games in terms of like you're doing rough tournaments, youth tournaments with, um, maybe a good friend of yours that you've had for a while and you, you've built that report of refing with him or her um, in the past. Is there anything that you go through pregame-wise in those situations? Pre-gaming for a rec game is not really part of the culture. You're not going to find it too much. However, don't let me hold you back. If you're with a friend and you guys are, you know, are you're hungry and you want to talk about plays, then you can absolutely have a have a modified pregame right you're not going to have a full-blown pregame that you would during a school game where you have to be a little bit more official and go through the ins and outs and you know cross every t and dot every i Um, it would be a little bit more generic if you're talking rec ball but you can absolutely have a 
have a little pregame with a friend. I mean, we're not going to pregame for a CYO game. It's just, just not that realistic. However, back to what I was saying, if you're with a friend or somebody you feel comfortable with, then definitely talk about plays and talk about recent situations you had or recent difficult plays that you had. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm reffing with, with my roommate this Saturday and Sunday, so. So pregame it up. Right. But when, you know, when you're reffing, you're not necessarily going to gonna pregame before that one game. It's the constant dialogue throughout the whole day. Yeah. So you're pregaming, you're postgaming, you know, halftime, timeouts. So it's, it's nonstop dialogue throughout the game. So you can call it a pregame. I would just, just, you know, have that constant dialogue throughout the game. Pre and post. Awesome. Yeah, in terms of like when we do get school games. Um, just, to, just to go back, hold that point. But if you're working with your friend, that's a really good opportunity. I know you've heard, heard me say it, but get together at every single timeout. Every single timeout, you guys are going to half court and you're talking about the recent catalog of plays that you just had. This way we can break down what we just saw and kind of process it and then apply it moving forward. And then we're, we're, we're talking about the next plays. You don't want to let too many add up because then you'll forget them. So that's why I say just, just get together as, as, as much as you can, especially in these rec games where you don't have to go stand at your, your normal timeout position and it's a little bit less official. You can, uh, you know, increase the, the amount you communicate during those times. Yeah, that's big. And something I did last or two weekends ago, um, I was refing with a new individual and he, he came back with a, a point um, that I didn't know about in terms of a rule. I think it was that three second offensive, three seconds um, violation when the ball wasn't in the front court yet. Right at the next time out, I, I went right to my phone and put that in my notes section, just as something I wanted to remind myself moving forward. So that's another thing that you can do. Um, if you don't have the opportunity to, you know, sit down every time out, um, even at halftime, just put these things, you know, a notepad or even in your notes on your phone, just the things that you can remember moving forward for next time. If you don't have that opportunity to have, yeah. you know, a film session for that specific game. That's a good idea. So take me through your note taking process. How do you jot it? And then when do you look back, back at it? Yeah. So in this case, um, he made a call and the coach went up to him and I was kind of, you know, with him as his, his other um, supporter in the communication process. And I tried to have a few things in my mind in terms of a list. And I had that list and read it the next time out, I went back to my phone. Um, it wasn't a, an official, you know, school game. So you can have your phone out a little bit, um, but just went right to my notes section of my game uh, of my phone and put in, you know, offensive three second call doesn't start until player makes it to the front court. And then I just had a few other, you know, items that happened throughout the game. Um, one of them was I found myself being a little stagnant when I was in the lead position and I didn't have the best angle at times. So that's something that I consciously was made aware of by myself. And in order to change things for me, I really need to write things down so I can remember them. So I would just put that in my notes section. Remember to move around to get best angle in lead position. So just, just little things like that. Um, just so, you know, I'm allowing myself to improve at every opportunity that I have. 
That's good. You created a nice little resource for yourself and then you could go back and rehash it and build upon it. So good okay. stuff. What else you got? So I know we just touched on pre-gaming, but when you do get into official school games, whether it's high school um, or college or even G League and NBA for some of the listeners, do you have a specific pregame kind of pack that you go through that is consistent through all your games? I'm sure it's changed throughout the years, but do you have a specific kind of list of items that you go through or are you more of um, taking things that occurred recently in your games and just touching base with your crew members on? Just walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, um, pregame for me is all about building rapport with the um, partners that I'm working with. So not speaking about basketball to start off, talking about family, talking about work and, and really establishing that rapport before we enter, excuse me, the officiating space. Um, and then my pregame is gonna change each year. It's gonna be updated. I'm always gonna wanna lead with the new and updated rules. So depending on which level you're working, your pregame, and I'll, I'll send you my pregame card and I want you to add on top of it. I want you to add like a lot of the notable new rules and points of emphasis for NFHS, right? Um, so once you list all of the notable rules that, that you've updated, then I break down my pregame card into three sections. I have a communication and management section with bullets. And, you know, I won't, I'll hold my phone up in my pregame and kind of run through, through the list. Um, it's going to vary depending on which, which partners I'm working with. You always got to have a feel for the room. Um, some partners, it's going to be a more extensive pregame, others a little bit a little bit lighter. So you kind of got to um, feel the room out. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of just run through each bullet points and they'll stop me at any time and get, they can ask questions. But it's, it's, it's basically, I put together a lot of, a lot of content inside mm -hmm. the pregame card and I'll just run off the bullet points as reminders. So for communication management, just the culture, you know, I want to establish a culture of respect. Let's be extremely approachable and courteous, um, but blend it with firmness. Uh, hold the coaches accountable for their actions, reactions, and overreactions. The best time to approach a coach is following a timeout after they've had a second to coach their team and, and breathe. Um, let's be proactive. Stay one, stay one step ahead of the game. So I'll go through a bunch of, you know, things like that through communication. And then, um, then we'll get to play calling. And I'll just talk about some, some play calling guidelines. Only blow the whistle if you're 100%. No guessing. Let's tr trust each other. Uh, points of emphasis, freedom of movement, you know, enforcing hand checking, body bumping, chucking of the cutters, post play. So I'll talk about some play calling guidelines and, and beliefs. And then, uh, then I'll go down to shot clock, shot clock awareness and talk about some bullets from shot clock. Um, having your markers on the court, your reminders to always be locked in and, and engaged and looking at the clocks. Cause remember the clocks is, is really just, it's muscle memory. It's having the ability to just shift your eyes from gameplay up until the, to the clock. So, um, so that, that's pretty much my pregame. That's good stuff. I'm sure if you have like a list like that of, of points that you want to make sure you're hitting on every single time, every single game, I think that'll make a big difference, not only for yourself, but for your crew members that you're working with too. Yeah. So I'll send you this for sure. And then, like I said, just add the notable new rules for 2021. Okay. One question I have um, 
in terms of the pregame and kind of who takes the lead um, when you have a crew of maybe you're a crew of two or you have a crew of three. I don't know how it works in your area, but um, in Minnesota, Minneapolis, our association, we're assigned a lead official and then the two umpires. And the lead official is kind of responsible for the days prior to the game to you know make sure their their fellow crew members are um, in the know of the game coming up. Um, so what I like to do is I just send them a text, a few emails, just making sure that they're going to be at the game, um, since that's a that's a big deal here in Minnesota. Just making sure that you know we're looking good as an association um, and all you know going to be at the game. That's a big thing, but. One thing I like to do is um, just, you know, like, like you said, touch base on how they are personally before we even get into the, the basketball side of things. So that's something I'm going to take with me, especially for this season, since a lot of, a lot of stuff is in the air right now. Um, so that's just a good reminder of what you said about, you know, getting to know them a little bit better and building report, um, especially pregame. Yeah. Um, one thing I had a question on, and I think a lot of viewers and followers can get some value from here, but how did you go, if you can take yourself back, how did you go about transitioning and moving forward from just being a two-man official, um, just refing youth and maybe some lower level um, under varsity games to becoming a, a solid three-man official in terms of rotations, positioning, was there any resources that you found useful other than just getting out there and, and doing it? Yeah, so you want to master being a, a great two-person official first and really understand that the two-person mechanics. You're not going to go from, you know, from, from the class right to three-person for the most part. Most people aren't. You got to learn, you got to step at a time, first grade before second grade. So just understanding two-person. And then the great resource for me was going and doing three-person games as I was learning the three-person system for free. So my buddies were working a men's league game. I would go be the third and I would just go work. They would have three games, but I would go work one. You know, I'm not going to work three for free, maybe. But uh, so I would work one and just to have th those repetitions. And they were more senior uh, three-person, you know, experience at the time. So they were able to kind of coach and guide me through. So that was a good resource, doing games for free with more experienced um, people that can kind of coach and guide you through while you're on the court. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I, I, when I transitioned from two to three, obviously you wanna, you wanna be doing three person games. That means you're, you're working at a, you know, either higher level college, pro. Um, but I, I never wanted my, th my two person mechanics to hurt my three person mechanics. I would rather have my three-person mechanics hurt my two-person mechanics, right? Because three-person is a higher-level game. Not to say that we're going to go mess up once we go from three to two. But when I – so my point is when I went, as I was learning three-person and I got more comfortable three-person, when I flipped back to two-person, I made sure to, to, to maintain those three-person principles and – and not lose sight of what I would do on a Tuesday night in a three-person game, not calling through the paint because I know my C is going to see that. Um, but when I'm in a two-person, still just trusting the trail and just saying, all right, I'm not going to call through the paint just because I'm in a two-person and I have to do a little bit more reaching. I still, I, I can't let it change me as an official. 
where I start guessing and, and doing a little bit more in a two person, even though it's required to do a little bit more, right? We have a little bit more responsibility, but I don't, I don't want to lose some of my uh, three person fundamentals by doing two person games. Yeah, that makes sense. I know for me, you know, going from two to three, it can be like if I'm I'm doing a three man game on a Friday, and then the next day, you know, I'm doing a youth tournament with two two man. Um, I think you know your first few runs down the court, you can get into you know a quick habit of thinking that someone's going to cover that call, but really in two man, you know, like you said, you do have a little more responsibility, and you're covering a little bit more ground mm-hmm. in terms of running up and down the court, and then making sure you're at specific angles. But I like what you said there of not letting your two-man mechanics affect your three-man. But if if that would be something that would affect it, allow your three-man to affect your two-man. So that's yeah. a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, for the most part, you'll be able to just go do, you know, switch three to two, no problem. But there will be times where you're in a two-person game and you'll say no but I'm not going to take that because I just have to stay disciplined because if this was a college game I'm not I'm not coming even close to to getting that so like I said just 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 maintaining that discipline mm-hmm. yeah. one other question kind of related to uh your crew members and this may this doesn't happen a lot of times but I've been paired with a extremely new official uh, I got paired with um a, a girl who it was her first game officiating and my assigner paired her with me in the two man kind of youth tournament through the whole weekend. And he just let me, my assigner let me know, just give, you know, give her the rundown, um, give her pointers when needed. Um, and just, she's really wanted to step into the, make a leap into the refing industry. Mm-hmm. So that was a really great experience for me last, last winter. Um, but my question for you, if you've had anything like that, I tried to allow her to make her own calls, um, especially, you know, being new into it. I think the best teacher for, for officiating is just getting out and doing it. Like, like you said, you did for start out in the three man, um, world, but, um, what happens for you when you get paired with an official and this doesn't happen too often, but you notice that they're missing some calls, um, that you can clearly see from your position in two man, um, but you don't want to overstep them, um, you know, and, and make calls that are in their, their primary coverage area. It's really important that when you're working with a younger official that you do things the right way and you lead by example, because you don't want to have them learning wrong information by you just being lazy, right? So I'm always conscious of that when I'm working with somebody new, I want to do things by the book the right way. Um, you got to let them live and die, but you you also have to, just to take a step back, you got to kind of get a feel if they want to learn. Because you're not going to go coach and teach them if they're not interested in hearing what you have to say. This could just be a side gig for them. They're just here on a Saturday to make cash. They don't want to hear what you have to say. So understanding and having a feel if they're interested in having a dialogue, right? Hey, hey, do you mind if we talk about some plays today? I'll give you some feedback on what I see. I love, I love talking about plays. Um, you know, and, they, and that's a good way to lighten them up. Yeah, sure. Give me what you got. Then you're green light. Then you could give them what you have, but you're not going to be jumping, you know, in their area, calling, making calls from 40 feet away. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. 
training wheels, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta let them learn through losses. But if they give you the green light, then, you know, get together at each timeout, teach them, talk about the recent plays, what they could have did a little bit differently. Um, you know, and, and how you communicate that is, is gonna, is gonna, uh, you know, really determine how, how interested they are in hearing you pretty much. Definitely. Did you have any games this past weekend? Any plays? I did not. I, um, I wasn't available this weekend, but, um, I just got a men's league game tonight. My first men's league game since the pandemic hit. So uh, I'm interested, you know, I'm looking forward to that. That three man. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't do any three person unless it's, um, high school or, or college game. I noticed some states like they'll do three person for AAU. Yeah, I know at, at my college, our intramural league, we had three men, which, you know, intramural league, you know, you hardly even really need officials. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, pay three refs, go for it. We'll take it. Um, has your associations in terms of your collegiate or your high school associations that you're with, have they sent you any information of any protocols that they're going through right now or any updates? Because my my high school league and my association sent out a bunch of information this past week. So I'm just curious if if that's a nationwide thing for you. No, it's state by state. Uh, New York State just got approved to start um, low-risk sports. So like bowling, gymnastics, I think swimming, um, not basketball because that's high risk. So we're kind of waiting to hear about high risk sports. Um, we should, I mean, we should know in the next couple weeks how it's going to look. But as of now, we're there's no there's no season right now. Got it. A tentative a tentative start for January. That's what we're hoping for. Okay. We'll just see you know how this next couple weeks play out day by day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all you can do, really. That's why if there's rec games available now, just take as many as you can, you know? So back to your original question, how do you, you know, keep perspective when you work in six games? Guess what? The, the season might be canceled next week, and then you'll be back to lockdown, and you'll be wishing that you were back on the court for six games. So just put yourself in those positions. Yeah, that's a good point, too. 100%. So... Anything else I can answer for you? No, those were kind of the points I had. I know it was, it's tough to, to find things. We don't have, you know, games and plays to talk about, but I think some of, you know, these these points were, were good, and I think people will find some value from them. Yeah, I was listening to – I went back and I was listening to, like, your first five podcasts, or first, first few at least, and I was – listening to them um you and mr pink of you know some of the topics you talked about um and that kind of um inspired me to take a few notes for for this week even when i didn't have games so that's kind of where i took some info from thank you for listening to the crown refs podcast serve the game
This episode of the Crown Refs Podcast is sponsored by RefereeStore.com. At RefereeStore.com, we know that being a referee is not just a job, it's a lifestyle. And that's why we make it easy for you to find the right referee shirts, pants, and accessories for your games. Looking to stand out? We carry referee-designed products you cannot find anywhere else. We carry gear for football, soccer, hockey, baseball, and basketball referees designed to meet all required standards. This month, RefereeStore.com is offering a 15% discount for all listeners of the Crown Refs podcast. Just enter coupon code CROWN15 at checkout, then click apply to get your 15% off your next order. So if you're buying gear for this season, I don't know what your situation is, but definitely take advantage of that Crown Refs discount. RefereeStore.com and Crown Refs, serving the game. 